0: Hello again, Valpo alumni. Happy Easter to those who celebrate and welcome to episode four of the Valpo alumni podcast. How are you? Here in alumni engagement, we continue to genuinely mean that. How are you doing? We continue to be here for you, our Valparaiso University alumni. So please reach out to us. What do you want to know? What do you need to hear? How can we assist you? Each week, we'll continue to come to you with our podcast. For those of you just tuning in, my name is Michael Beaver, and I serve as the Senior Associate Director of Alumni Engagement here at Valparaiso University. Please continue to send in your ideas for topics and guests or feedback to alumni at valpo.edu. I promise we do try and take it all to heart. On today's episode, we wanted to bring a message of hope from us to you. To do that, Deaconess Kristen Lewis, interim campus minister at the Chapel of the Resurrection, has agreed to let us share her sermon from Easter Sunday's chapel service with you all as a message of hope in the resurrection.
1: The Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It is wonderful to be with you on this Easter Sunday. Despite technological difficulties, we cling to the promise that Christ is alive. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The first day of the week was dawning. Passover was now over. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary decided to go and see the tomb. Matthew's telling of the Easter story is an interesting one. The Marys aren't going to the tomb with spices. They're going to see the tomb, to be in that place where the one that they loved has been laid. It's such a normal thing to do. Many of us have probably visited the graves of loved ones on significant dates and anniversaries. Some have maybe gone by themselves after the funeral is done, the casseroles are gone, just to go and be alone and sit where our loved one has been laid. Oftentimes I hear when I had the opportunity to walk with families during a time of death, that after the, the scurry of planning a visitation and the funeral and, and the time with, with loved ones who also loved the person that has died, when they sit at home that first day, without the scurrying of planning, without the visits with friends, the grief and the new normal sets in. In some ways, it's in that space that that these Marys are going to sit with the one they loved. We often show up in the midst of our grief to see. To see the one that we had loved who has now died. We show up at visitations and at funerals to be with one another. To say goodbye, to try to find closure in the midst of loss and grief. One of my favorite rituals that oftentimes happens as we gather in funeral homes and fellowship halls is the ritual that begins with, I remember the time that, as story after story unfolds from that person's life. Sometimes there are stories that others have never heard before. And then there are those stories that have been told over and over and over again. Oftentimes, there can be little bickering that happens. Or the true details of the story, since over the years, various versions have unfolded. Yet in this telling of stories filled with joy and laughter and sometimes sadness and challenge, we are grounded in our connection to the one we loved. We are grounded in our connection to one another, and the community that is formed in the midst of those stories. Stories are so sacred and so important as they remind us who we are and remind us of our own stories that we carry. When it was becoming clear a couple weeks ago that the stay at home orders that had been unfolding in various states gonna still be in place during Holy Week and Easter. On a few different clergy pages and church pages there was people beginning to wonder, should we wait to celebrate Easter until we can all gather together again? You can't blame them really. There's many things that we are choosing to postpone because the idea of celebrating it when we can't physically be with each other is almost impossible to imagine. Things like commencements, where we want to see our students walk across the stage and cheer for them over the hard work they've put in, to recount the journey and the various memories they've made in this, in this adventure of, that we call college. And frankly, I want to hug many of you and celebrate with you. So in some ways, wouldn't Easter be the same? so many of us easter brings about that sense of smell of those lilies or the brass and organ ringing in our ear this morning as beautiful as it was to listen to the contour sing jesus christ is risen today i missed the hundreds of voices filling the chapel of the resurrection as we joined our voices together My spirit misses singing with people. The truth is my heart longs to hear Jeff Dobler in the brass, longs to be led by Contraille and the bells and Dr. Kim making that organ wail in that glorious chapel. I miss getting to see Brendan Koch carry our box of alleluia's like he does year after year that we put away before Ash Wednesday and we open up and he spreads it around the altar, around that beautiful Christos Rex. After four weeks of isolation, I long to give many of you a handshake of peace and hugs. Maybe we should have waited. However, the truth is this isn't the first time God's people have felt separated or isolated. The Bible is filled with stories of God's salvation work over and over, despite exile, despite wilderness, despite being scattered away from the temple and scattered away from the community. One of my beloved theology professors, Richard Swanson, always talked about the importance of remembering that the Bible is filled with stories that have been passed down from generation to generation, especially as we think about the stories from the Hebrew Bible that would have been passed down orally over and over. Often in class, if we were about to engage one of those stories, he would invite us to center into the image of a Jewish grandmother sitting with her family around the fire at night, saying, come here, let me tell you a story that reminds you who we are. Let me remind you of the history of our people. Let me remind you of our God as the stories of creation and Moses and Noah and Abraham and on and on were told over and over again, despite exile, despite being scattered. Typically in a normal year, we would have gathered last night at the chapel for the Easter vigil. Many of you may be gathered virtually with other faith communities, and heard some of these stories that we tell during the Easter Vigil. Last night, the chapel's Facebook page showed a video that Pastor Jim helped put together of people lighting their candles from various apartments and homes and rooms scattered all across this country, remembering and claiming Christ our light. For it is in that Easter vigil, in that night where we are in between the crucifixion, that night where we know that this is the night where something had happened, where we remember that Christ's light enters the world, no matter where we are located, that we are united as the body of Christ. You see, at the vigil, we begin around that fire. And then in this moment of our, of our grief of Good Friday, in the midst of the uncertainty that, that that space would invite God's people into, it's like our Jewish grandmother saying, just wait, remember? Remember how God created this world? Wait, remember? Remember how God freed us from slavery in Egypt? Remember how God showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember how the prophet Isaiah had the vision of dead bones dancing? We recount the way that God has moved in this world that remind us that God is a God of salvation and a God of life. And as we ground us in these stories and in who we are as children of God, We conclude the Easter vigil with the pronunciation of the ultimate Easter story of Christ's triumph over the grave. Jesus Christ is risen indeed, alleluia. That Holy Saturday has always been this strange in-between time. I grew up and there wasn't a tradition of an Easter vigil And so it truly was this awkward space of Good Friday and then kind of nothing until that sunrise service. I think of that in-between time when we go back to that first Easter. Jesus' followers, those that, that loved him, his disciples, the Marys, would have gathered the day before for Passover Maybe they came together to gather or maybe they were still huddled and gathered in their isolated hiding place that they had run to in the midst of terror for they had seen the man they believed in, the man they loved brutally killed by oppressors because of the threat that Jesus posed with his movement, his movement of love and reconciliation, his movement that said that our God does not say that some are in and some are out, but it's about gathering God's people together, all people, Jews and Gentiles, those that are in Samaria and those that are in Galilee, That, that this movement that raised Lazarus from the dead, that healed, was a bit threatening to those that wanted the power to say who was truly worthy, where the power really should be, So in the midst of of the disciples and those that loved him, in the midst of their uncertainty and grief and terror and shock, I imagine some would have said, do we really need to gather for Passover? How, How do we do this tradition in the midst of death, in the midst of fear, in the midst of all that has happened in our world. I imagine someone saying, that's exactly why we need to gather. Why we need to ask the question we ask year after year, why is this night different from any other night? And we need to tell the story of how God delivered God's people from slavery in Egypt into freedom. That sacred story that was told even one year after deliverance while the Israelites were still wandering in the wilderness. And it has been told year after year for generation after generation. I think that the Marys and the disciples and the followers of Jesus would have told this story during this in-between time when it still feels like death is all around them would have told this story and remembered a God that brings deliverance and a God that abides with them in the midst of fear and grief and uncertainty. Now, one thing I think is important to know that the Israelites participated in the Passover year after year through all 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. It was a faithful part of their time together that they would proclaim God's promise. They would proclaim a God that is a God of freedom and life. And yet, these Israelites during their wandering in the wilderness also murmured against God and against each other. They lamented and they questioned. They struggled. Now, my daughter Atlee, who is six years old, can murmur with the best of them. One of the things that we have been doing during our isolation time, our social distancing time, is that when I take the dog for a walk, one of my three children goes with me. I quickly learned taking all three was a little bit more stressful than if I just take one. They get a break from fighting with each other. I get some one-on-one time, uh, and it's a, a centering time in my relationship with them. This week when I was taking Atlee for her walk, we walked for a mile and a half and it was a mile and a half of murmuring. Ugh, there's my playground. I can't even go on my playground. There's my school. I can't do that because I have to do e-learning on my computer. I don't even get to be with Mrs. Sut. There's my church. We can't even go to our church even though it's going to be Easter. Ugh, over... And over uh, why do the stupid germs have to come into the whole world why couldn't they they've just stuck to that tree over there then then they could have just stayed there and we could still be with our friends why why can't these germs just go to another planet why why can't this this thing just die why can't we know when this is all gonna be over And on and on it went for a mile and a half. I'll admit that at one point I tried to help her find some moments of meaning during our four weeks. I asked, what is something that you have liked while we've been stuck at home? (sighs) Well, I guess I kind of get to see you and dad more, except you're always talking to your computers for meetings and everything that was maybe a meaningful moment came with a butt you see atley was in a place where she needed the freedom to lament and cry out and be angry and we need that freedom too then last night as our family was gathered to dye easter eggs and we had the easter vigil um on all of a sudden she said it's good that we're talking about god so much right now with all the germ stuff That way we know that God loves us no matter what. And even with all this germ stuff, God is always with us. That way we remember that love is the most important thing. Right, mama? My heart broke a little bit. The power of these sacred stories surrounding my child and helping her to then remind me of the power of God's love to overcome in this moment to ground us, to remind us who we are and whose we are, despite the uncertainty and fear and grief. After that first Passover day, on the dawn of the first day of the week, the Marys show up to the tomb. After the trauma and fear that they had witnessed on Good Friday, I wonder if somehow sitting in this story of being God's people and that God is a God that delivers us, part of me wonders if that gave them the courage to show up in the first place to a tomb guarded by guards of the oppressor who they had seen brutally murder the man they loved. But they show up and they witness that God's love truly is earth-shattering as it says, an earthquake swept over the land, as an angel opens up the tomb. God's love brings life in the midst of death. And that love turns things upside down, where, where those that we feel like have the power and have life are like dead men. Because God's love says that is not real power in violence, but power in love, in life, in resurrection in grace. Christ is risen, alleluia. So in the midst of our wilderness, in the midst of COVID-19 taking away our normal, in the midst of our fear, trauma, grief, uncertainty, we gather virtually today to hear the story that many of us have heard since we were little. The story that many of us know so well that we repeat year after year, despite what might be happening around us. We proclaim and tell this sacred story that grounds us in the reminder that God is a God of life, even in the midst of death, uncertainty, and grief. This sacred story grounds us in the midst of fear to remind us that God abides with us, And that God will bring new life. Like normal life and grief and loss, we don't know exactly what the new normal will look like. Our world will forever be changed by COVID-19. Yet God promises that in that new creation, God shows up. God will continue to call us and shape us as the body of Christ. In today's Easter story, the first instruction Mary and Mary are given is to go and tell, to go and tell the disciples. And on their way, they run into Jesus, who says, greetings, which always kind of baffles me. I kind of picture him saying, surprise, it really is me. The story tells us that, that when they left the tomb to go tell, they left with joy and fear. I have a feeling that overwhelming sense of grief and sadness, of trauma and hope and expectation when they see Jesus leads them to lose their footing, to fall down and collapse at the feet of their Lord. I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of overwhelming emotion from sadness or shocking news, or maybe even being surprised at a birthday party, but it can take your breath away. I think for the Marys, it might've been both fear and joy, grief and hope. This Easter, we too can collapse at Jesus' feet with all of ourselves, all of our emotions, our fear, our anger, our murmuring, as well as our hope and joy and expectation. We can whisper, Christ is risen, alleluia. Or we can shout with the joy that, that children have often on Easter morning, Mama, it's Easter, Christ is risen. Did the Easter bunny come? Jesus then continues that call to go and tell the disciples, the book of Matthew throughout Christ's resurrection is about Jesus telling people to go and tell, culminating in in the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is in this going and telling that we are reminded that we have already been claimed as children of God, that God will never abandon us, that a tomb cannot keep Christ dead, just as social isolation cannot kill Jesus' love. Jesus' love is alive and well today in the midst of our grief and uncertainty. Jesus' love promises to be with us in this wilderness and promises the gift of life and resurrection, the gift of new life. And so we proclaim on this unusual Easter, Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.
0: Thank you, Deaconess Kristen, for your words of hope in these unsettling times. And thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Valpo Alumni Podcast. We continue to keep you all in our thoughts, prayers and hearts during these uncertain times.